Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 4th, 2017. Words. Words are what are fed into us from a very early age. Most people hear the words, they think they understand what they mean, but very few people actually discuss the words and ask each other, do you really think the same as me when it comes to this particular word or term or whatever? It's quite amazing, really. But words are so important. I've given lots of talks, even years and years ago, in fact, about words. There are different levels of words and understanding them, and even coding them and so on. And you find even societies down through the ages have used their own little codes within the wording. From ancient times, actually, you can find the Romans used particular tribes around about them in the Middle East who used letters, which were also the same as numbers, and they could use the numbers and actually code messages that the Romans were sending back and forth to each other in the field. So it's always been an understandable thing that deceit, being part of human nature, it seems, will always run the show. But you also find, too, that with the scientific age that we live in, and with the introduction in the late 1800s and into the 1900s, you'll find that with behaviorists, psychology and all the rest of it coming into play, that it was becoming far more precise on how to program people, again, through the use of words. Words in movies, for instance, or even in, in, in storybooks, work so well because they conjure up images in our minds. And an image attached to a particular word or phrase can have a tremendous lifelong impact when it's coupled with a highly emotive picture. And that's why they use such things in indoctrination of young people, for instance, in different kinds of movies and so on. All the the updated political correct memes are put into the movies so that the children will will actually always react in a Pavlovian style to particular scenes or words attached to the scene and so on down through their lives. It's it's an exact science today. And most folk are are completely unaware that it's being used on them even when they sit and watch their television sets at night regardless of their age. It's a perfect science. It's embedded in everything today. But we also have many other words on another level, too, that you think you understand what they mean, but you don't. And here's a few words from George Orwell, for instance. And it says, the words democracy, socialism, freedom, patriotic, realistic, justice, have each of them several different meanings which cannot be reconciled with one another. In the case of a word like democracy, not only is there no agreed definition of what it means, that is, but, but the attempt to make one a definition is resisted from all sides. It's almost universally felt that when we call a country democratic, we are praising it. And you think about that. Why are you praising it? <laughs> think about it. Really think, think, think. Why are, you, why are you praising it? And then he goes on to say that, consequently, the defenders of every kind of regime that claim that it's a, democrat, a democracy and fear that they might have to stop using the word if it were tied down to any one meaning, words of this kind are often used in a consciously dishonest way. So people are afraid, you see, of getting a definition because it won't fit into various countries, uh, apart, well, what they actually are, as opposed to what they say they are. It simply won't fit anymore. But as long as it's kept vague, anyone can call it democracy. The Soviet Union claimed it a democracy. And I think they still do it in China today, the Politburo. The people are allowed to vote in Politburo member number one, two, three, or four. That's the only party there is. But it's a democracy because you get, because their definition, basically, loose definition, is that you're allowed to vote. And that's all that democracy means to them. It's interesting because to me personally, I think the only one that really has close to democracy is actually Switzerland. Because 
anything that matters on any major way to, to affect the people in their pocket or anything else. It can't just be passed in, in, in government. It has to be put out to the vote for the people. They all take the vote on it, on things that really matter. That's far closer to what I would think of as democracy, as to what you actually have. But think about what democracy means. I mean, now, now, in the last 20 years or so, democracy really means, probably 30 years, but what it really means in the Western countries is, is socialism. And remember that the definition of communism, according to, I think it was Khrushchev that said it too, or, and a few other ones before him, he said that uh, communism is only socialism in a hurry. Stalin said it too. So it's the same thing, basically. And of course, that was the technique used by the Fabian Society in London, was to, was to use this, to bring the nations into a Sovietized system by using the existing parliamentary system. In other words, they wouldn't bother with the complete overthrow, violent overthrow, do it very quickly. They would simply infiltrate over many years until the whole system and structure and bureaucracy was theirs. And you're in a de facto socialist system. But always remember that behind every, every movement of people, with all their masses of followers, I don't care who they are, for and against, whatever. There's always amazing minds at the top. They've got nothing to do with, with, with what they've taught the people to protest or, or, or to demand or whatever. Uh, they're way above that. Way above it. There's so many armies now of non-governmental organizations, all working for the globalists and getting funded through the big foundations. I did documentaries years ago on that. And it was to do with that very subject of, of NGOs when they used to protest at global meetings. And there was a camera in one of the globalist meetings. And they're looking down all these protesters down below. And one of them said, he said, well, what to bring the leaders of these NGOs on board with us? Let them in. And that's what they did. And they gave them paychecks. So th those leaders now had all their armies of followers uh, who were not getting paid, of course, not the followers. And, and that's why there's no protesting against the globalist system now. And again, how they've sold it to the followers gradually is by the redistribution of wealth. Oh, climate taxes and so on will redistribute wealth, which is right out of the communist manifesto's system. And no one seems to mention that fact. So what are you living in? A, a communist system? And I've said years ago, to what you really have is for the, the mass of the people, a bureaucratic system running and running the populations now and an increasing pace of, of communism. That's how you're managed, micromanaged by bureaucracies and, and uh, social departments and so on from governments, run by statistics, etc., etc., into every area of your life, that's what it's meant to be. I said that back in the 90s it was going to happen, because I, I could see it in their different reports and their world meetings, what they were talking about. And at the very top, above that, you have a different one class altogether. The new feudal system that Quigley and others talked about, uh, they're bringing in, and the CEOs on board with it, of the CEOs of big international corporations would be part of it. And so they have two different types of systems on the go at the same time. In reality, you have about three you, you have the, the masses being controlled ever more, as I say, invasively by dictatorial-type governments, right down to the carbon taxes and, and how you're going to live or not live, in fact, and getting micromanaged as well. And then you have the ones above that, as I say, that are even grafted onto governments because they're multi-billionaires or millionaires or whatever it happens to be. And these people aren't a subject to the mass scrutiny that we all get, and they're given much more higher privileges, etc., etc. Two different systems altogether. And above that, you have an even higher system of those who really understand the chronology of money, who control money, who have the rights to make it for countries, lend it to countries, and fiddle the books, because it's all fiddled, obviously. We owe trillions of dollars, and if the people aren't starving to death, then you know darn well that someone's fiddling the books.
It's all nonsense, in other words. When you look at the massive supposed debts of all countries now, and at the same time, the leaders of these countries are signing agreements and have been for years and years on carbon taxes and and carbon trading and taxing the public and giving millions and billions to the United Nations and so on, which is meant, remember, in a socialistic form to take over the world, isn't it? It's a form of government, really. That's what it's for. It always was that. And many people at the time wrote about it when they were setting it up. They're quite vocal about it. Some of Canada's people especially. You'll find that Lester Pearson was working with Escott Reed of, of Ontario. And Escott Reed wrote a book on it and how the whole point of the United Nations Charter, which he helped write up with Alger Hiss, the communist, was to bring in world government. So you have terms like world government that's got all fuzzy and lovely, and we can all sing Kumbaya together in harmony. And things like that. And then you have the redistribution of wealth, which is the communist bit attached to it. But of course, you know darn well that above all great movements, you have the con men who use all the masses and train the masses, in fact, to protest and demand and so on, so that the ones at the top can get even better profits and more control over society and and the nations, etc., and finances, of course, naturally. It's always been that way. Because people don't really want to have strong opinions on anything because they've studied for on, on those particular topics to, to bring them to their opinion. It doesn't happen that way. Most folk, and psychologists all know this, and the behaviorists know it too, most people have their opinions formed for them by those that want you to believe this person or that person or that movement is a good one. And that's how you form your opinions. Not by studying them, but because you like people, certain people. And they call it the halo effect, in fact. There's many other things going at work there too. But the halo effect is if a person looks good and presentable and, and seems nice on television or whatever, then they must be good. And then your own mind will take it to the next step. And you'll say that they're also intelligent because if they're good looking and they're nice, they must also be intelligent. And it goes on from there. And it's all fake, basically. You, you have no idea who they really are. But that doesn't matter. That will stay in your mind. And people, a lot of people, <laughs> and they're all down to different, even down to the genders, who likes what and so on, and who is easier to manipulate in certain areas than others, etc. And they all have their turn at it as well, mind you. But that's how well we're understood. So people really form their opinions on emotions as opposed to investigative facts. And that's really how it is. And after the facts are presented, often if, you, if they come to like the person and the facts are presented to them afterwards, it won't matter if the facts are negative. They'll still like the person and, and they'll, they'll deny everything you're, you're showing them. Facts don't count to them. And that's something that's been used so much to the fool today. When it comes to manipulating a planet and billions of people to go under the authority of a few for the whole world. I mean, this this is like a plutocracy for the planet for the first time, with total control for the first time. The whole globe. And how they've trained people for decades into this, and, and they've in, they put their indoctrination through all the schooling system naturally, because you must always indoctrinate the children first, who grow up. If you, get, if you get them young enough and indoctrinate them into what you want them to experience in the future... They'll go through that, all the changes, and they'll think it's all quite normal. Again, basic sciences, but they're very, very intense, and they work very well on the people. So when you think about having opinions for yourself, you better question what they are and how you got them, and be honest with yourself if you can. Most, again, can't really be honest with themselves. And in this day, this age where... People and statesmen, in fact, have been replaced by celebrity figures. Uh, then we're in a sad, a sad sinking boat, you might say, because it's been awfully successful. I've got old books going way back to the 20s and 30s and so on, talking about bringing in this system, how the, how the, the elite would bring them in. 
And the Leap managed all sides, including the communist sides. You know that too. You know that. And the communists were not over all over in the Soviet Union. I think there was more of them living inside the U.S. than anywhere else, to be honest with you. And uh, their great-grandchildren are running the U.S. today, it would seem. And they've never lost sight of this system, which never worked in reality. It was brutal as well. Murderously brutal. Remember that communism doesn't believe in anyone else having any opinion outside the party's opinion, any authorized opinion. Doesn't happen. They, they kill you. That's what they, millions of folk died. Millions, millions. And you, you, here you have the same fanatics today being trained through the school system to be fanatics, not knowing that there's people way above them that, that don't even believe in the stuff that they're making you believe at the bottom. <laughs> because in, it's always a different system at the top. And everyone is a useful idiot when it comes to using force and, and demanding and all the rest of it. The people at the top of the world, they themselves would call themselves pragmatists. And realists, they don't believe in the things they're teaching you to believe in. But they know the only way to motivate you so as you will get the ones at the top what they want at the top is, is to give you these emotive things to be furious about. And it works so well. Oh, it's incredible. Today it's not really safe to say things in the street anymore. Even in passing, it's not really safe anymore. People can blow up so fast. It's just incredible. Because everyone's been so conditioned... Part of it, too, is because of the mass communication systems we all have today. The television was the greatest thing of all, and so many of the big players of brainwashing into this globalist system, with all of the, the things that must go along with it, mind you, have come out and said it was the greatest tool. It was, Spielberg said it, too. The greatest tool to brainwash people. It's a weapon. That's how it's done. Again, with attaching emotive things in a fictional setting, with real-life topics and imprinting it on the minds of the people that see it. It works awfully well. It doesn't have to be true. It can even be the opposite of what you're actually seeing. But that's how it's presented to you. It's quite amazing. Quite amazing. And it never leaves people to the the day they die. These imprints are with them in their mind, like Pavlovian responses when you bring them up. So try and think, for those that, that do want to know and how things work, try and think about the words that you're hearing and how they're given to you. Don't forget that even quips from politicians, little quips, I mean all politicians, across the board, all sides of everything, they, they use propaganda machines called marketing companies to come up with the, the slogans, the terms that, are, that you're going to hear. And they have little, you know, test groups and all that, they test it out on, focus groups, etc., to see if it really works. And they'll follow them out that test group over weeks or even months to see if it had a, if it's imprinted in them, if it changes their mind and how they see somebody or something or whatever it happens to be. It's so well done. All, all this stuff's so well done today. It's so intense that it's, it's pretty accurate. So when you hear little quips being given to you like, the left always call himself progressive, like George Orwell called it progressive. What does that mean? He talked about a few other words and terms too in that same little little piece. But yeah, what does progressive mean? If he means progressive, and, and it's like you always hear Canada's a progressive country, what does that mean, progressive? What are you progressing towards? You must have a destination to be going somewhere. Otherwise, you're wandering all over the place, or you're static. And there's nothing wrong in being static. Sometimes it's safer. But if you're progressing, then someone has an idea of where you're supposed to go. So why don't they tell you where it's supposed to go? But of course, if you're wise, and, and you're not a complete television, you know, box head type person, you'll see what's, what's happening and you know where it's supposed to go. That's what they mean by progress. Until all the old norms are bust, broken, the old culture is gone, bust, broken, stamped in the ground, 
and spat upon, or even worse, in fact. That's what they mean by that. That is what they mean by that, for, for those who haven't figured it out. Yeah. And so you, the, the future does not look bright at all. Under the guise, the beautiful phraseology you'll hear all the time again, from psychologists' mouths to the paper and all that, and then to the people who present it on the media for you to hear. I mean, it's so perfect, isn't it? The terms that they use. And it comes across as though they're so caring, especially the official voices of your country. I'm not talking about the, the presidents, prime ministers. I'm, I'm, well, they, them too, but also the bureaucrats and even countries that are British Commonwealth countries, because you all have their, your BBC or your, or your CBC in Canada and stuff, and you have Australian national television. These are all their national tax-funded companies and so on. That they're always on board with the same agenda, and they're always in communication with them, each other, obviously, to, to stay on, on in the same agenda, announcing the same upgrades at the same time to put across from the public. It's quite fascinating when you, when you really see it. But they'll put themselves out as they appear to be awfully nice and caring. But everybody across the whole world are caring, caring, until you've got to keep buying Kleenex tissues or some kind of, some kind of tissues all the time to blow your nose and, you, and dry your eyes because... We're so darn caring about everything. And that's the impression they want you to have. They want you to adopt all of this stuff because they certainly don't at the top. These people who've had the, had the really good educations and so on, they know darn well what it's about. And if you're living in countries where they prattle on about <laughs> they should bring in children into, into to our country and look after them and so on from other countries, meanwhile, they're killing their own children in abortion rackets. Something doesn't jive. When there's inconsistency of logic, then it's no logic at all. It's an agenda. And that's what philosophy is supposed to work out. If you go along the path, it must be the same path. It must jive with the path next to it if they're both going along the same direction. So you can't be concerned and do the opposite at the same time. This is, but this is how you're, you're brainwashed all the time Constantly brainwashed Constantly And I could go on and on and on But there's no really point about it Because I've seen it in other countries too I knew it in Britain Growing up in Britain the Britain was in its way out World War I had pretty well done it in Because only, only a, a plutocracy in London and, and the relatives and the big families Had made money off what was called the British Empire it wasn't that the British folk that made the money. The British people paid for it all through their taxes. That was a racket of having a centralised bank system which allowed governments then to start borrowing money and then paying it back through taxes. That was a racket. It's never changed. That's why it's the same system in every country now. But the people are left holding the bills for everything. That's what the people were given of Britain. And then World War II came along and that, was it. that completely finished it off. And then from then on, from the 60s onwards, it was opening the door to more and more immigration. And some people mentioned it back in the 60s, what would happen, but they were shouted down because it was an agenda. An agenda had to, had to have those at the very, very top. And every country has an owner, remember. I really mean that. The ones at the top of Britain knew what they wanted. It didn't matter what the public wanted. Never does, really. But they had a different view of where it was going to go, including selling it down the road into a united Europe. So here you are all that time as well, fighting supposedly a cold war and using the excuse, oh, if we amalgamate the whole of Europe together, then we can stand together against the Soviet Union like a massive bloc. What a con game that was. What a con- the, whole, the whole cold war was a con game. At the end of it all, you have people in the ex-Soviet Union coming out, top activists who will live through the brutality of the old Soviet system, saying that the European Union was just a new, more brutal form of the Soviet system, which of course it is. I always say, don't fight for anything. Don't fight for any cause that's given to you by others. Don't do it, because you're being used. You're really being used. And you have no idea, maybe even in your own lifetime, how you were used. Those coming after you will see it, but you won't see it often in your own lifetime.
That's how it is. Do you really think the people in Britain would have gone off to World War One and Two, and Korea and all the rest of it? Do you think they'd gone off for that if they could have known what was going to happen to their country today? Do you really think that? Because Britain, unfortunately, is is, is going to be a, a morass. And of course, they're using terrorism, which is there. But they're using it because they make it sure it was there since they brought lots and lots in over many, many years. And they really do know who is who. They really do. But if you notice, every dystopian science fiction movie of the future, for years and years and years now, many years, has shown you of these a military presence and high, well-armed police presence in a, a dystopic future. Where do you think all that came from and what that's about? Because that's what they're bringing in. And you've had the top people in all countries in the West saying, terrorism's with you forever now, that's going to be the norm, accept it. All that was planned a long time ago, long, long time ago. It really was. Do you really think they're so stupid they couldn't stop these things from happening? Do you really think they're so stupid that if they didn't want anything like this happening, they wouldn't have brought conflicting parties even from across the world into Britain? Some parties that have been fighting each other in their own countries for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Do you really think they're that stupid? Do you really think so? Of course they're not. That's something you must always remember. Those at the top are not stupid. And by that, I mean above even politicians and your prime ministers and presidents. There's much, much bigger agencies at work here. Much bigger. So don't fall for slogans. Don't fall for the fancy words that are used there imprinted with a picture to imprint in your mind. Don't do it. Could you think and think why they want you to use these terms and words and all the rest of it, and they forbid you not to use them. <laughs> you got to use. You got to use this. You can't say what it was before or it is in front of your face. You got to use the new terms. Really, really. The worst brutality and tyranny is tyranny over the minds of the people. When you can't think straight, and you're not allowed to say what you see or think or anything else. That's the worst tyranny of all. And such tyrannies, such tyrannies are beyond brutal. They're lethal eventually because you do have the mad enforcers of them. And I mean mad. And the ones at the very top, those who are above it all, allow those down below to be brutal. They encourage it, in fact. It's quite something. And as I say, when you have these big, big public relations companies making up the slogans and getting their test groups and trying them on them and words, etc. And then they have them wired up to, to different machines to see their galvanic responses and their skin and all that when they hear certain words and all that stuff to see if it's working on them. You wouldn't believe the tests that they do and then they present it to you. And then they tell you to adopt it. And you're a bad person if you don't adopt it. You're bad, naughty. And then they tell you, you won't be tolerated if you, if you don't adopt it. Yet, t- 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 tyranny of the mind is the worst evil of all. And every tyranny has used the, uh, these particular processes. Tyranny o- over the mind. In the French Revolution, in the reign of terror, there's a whole list of things you could not say anymore. Or even think anymore. Out loud or even in your sleep. And that's never changed since then. When things take the same format, then you know you're in tyranny. It's no different than what Thomas Jefferson said to do with tyranny. He said, when you see a continuation of ideas, what he meant was an agenda, even when the different parties came in and were gone and other ones came in and gone, it continued through the changes of Congress. It says, know that they're under tyranny. Something else has grabbed the nation. Something else is then running the, the nation. And we, we find it with all these so-called treaties that go on and on and on, regardless of, of who appears to be in power. Now, you know, it's been more evident than ever that 
really for a long time there has been no difference in power, regardless of the flavour or the colour they put on them when they get elected. Because the same agendas go through, all these different global agendas, the war agendas, everything. It's always the same. It was like when Bush Jr. was in with all the neocons around him. And then you had your massive wars on the list that the neocons had back in the 90s, in fact, of countries to be taken out, and away it went. And then Barack Obama comes in. And then when the neocons, like Rumsfeld, congratulate, and, and Cheney, congratulate Obama for continuing them. Why? How come? And then you have this latest thing with the Conservative Party in the U.S., is not backing Trump, supposedly. And you've got to say, well, what is the Conservative Party? It's like getting back to words and definitions again. And the word democracy, what does it mean? You know, what, what does conservative mean today? Carl Quigley talked about that too. Back in the 60s, he said the same thing. That eventually the parties will still use the same terms to give an appearance of difference. So the public would be involved and they'd vote and they'd never catch on to the fact that they'd been taken over completely because there would be no difference in the policies of the parties. But this time here, you do see the at least the appearance of it, where it's all a show or a scam, who knows? But they've got all this massive movement, which is now called, what is it called, this left wing? That's not even appropriate anymore either. What working class people is in the left wing now? I mean, they're using all of those in Hollywood, people who have never really done any physical work in their lives. Suddenly are all the experts in why we should be paying money from your tax money to the United Nations by the billions and supposedly to so we can redistribute it across the planet. You know it's not going to get to the poor countries, for goodness sake. It's another con game, too. The big international corporations will set up their factory plants across the world and get their cheap labour, and you'll pay for it all. That's what that means. As I say, the followers never catch on. But the ones at the top know darn well what it's all about. It's all a scam. This is a whole idea of using your tax money, too, to, to build alternate alternate means of supplying power. Everybody who happens to be in that area is getting your tax money to fund their businesses and create their businesses and pay for it all. So naturally they're all on board with this nonsense and racketeering as well. Of course they are. But that's what it is. It's a scam, isn't it? But facts don't matter. Because people's minds are made up anyway. They've seen so many nature programs and and all this stuff. You can convince anybody about nature programs and and misrepresent what they're actually seeing. It's just too easy to manipulate the thoughts of the people. But when they get through the schooling system, ah, oh, <laughs> it's just incredible. Incredible. It's really incredible. But it works awfully well in indoctrination and the processes and so on. And you're constantly being told what a good person is, a good citizen. Constantly you're told that by those above you who earn a hundred times more than you at least and are well paid to con you into behaving in certain different ways. Quite some. And they have all the different loopholes given to them f- so that they don't have to pay for the global taxation, etc., and the carbon and blah, blah, across the whole planet. They'll have all the loopholes. Look at Hollywood. Some of the richest folk in the whole of the U.S. And, and somehow... Getting an Academy Award makes you an expert in science. What a joke that is. And no one questions that. And that's back to the halo effect, because the first group of people, the psychologists noticed, was that people really admired those in the movie industry. And that's why those at the very top use them. The Council on Foreign Relations have taken many of them on boards, by the way, to be spokespeople for the Council on Foreign Relations for the global world agenda. And I've given talks on that over the years too. But, and again too, remember, use cuttingthroughthematrix.com and go into the archive section because there's so many talks and all that there and, and people involved and who joined the CFR from Hollywood and so on. And the reason is, as I say, that getting back to the halo effect, if a person looks good, then in your mind you think, well, they must be good, because especially if they play nice parts in the movies. So they're nice. And then your mind will fill in the blank. Oh, they're also intelligent. You've never met these people. You have no idea what they're really like. None at all. 
But that doesn't matter. Your mind will take over from any checking. You won't bother checking into them. And even if you do, and someone says something nasty about them, and they can verify it, you won't want to believe it, because you, you've, you've decided to like them. And then when they want to tell you to, to pay up carbon taxes, well, they don't, mind you. In Hollywood, they've all these different loopholes for their big accounting firms and so on. Then you'll pay up to help the world and the, the panda bears and things. Now, the whole climate issue is a manufactured issue. Climate change is always happening. We used to call it just the weather. How is the weather today? What's it to be tomorrow? It's called changing. It rains today and it's going to be sunny tomorrow. Well, it used to be sunny before they started spraying the skies intentionally and causing what they call global dimming at NASA now. (laughs) But again, as I say, facts have nothing to do with it when it comes to these big, big Agendas, and that's really what it is. It's a huge agenda, and facts don't count. And the reasons they're giving you for doing it don't count either, because they're the fact. They are the facts. And they don't want arguments of facts. That's the last thing that they want. They want emotion. And so many folk being conditioned over years in little bits of insertions and in all kinds of movies and dramas and. And even in cartoons, they insert these little bits on the climate until they don't realize that they've been programmed without even critically thinking about anything. It's by osmosis, as Jack's Elul says. That's how most folk learn, through bits and bytes. And it's a technique that the masters of the world are perfectly aware of and they utilize to their full extent. Over the years, and I've read so many of the articles over the years, so much of this whole climate scam has been exposed. Going back to the East Anglia University, too, with all the emails from some years back when they were all emailing each other and it was hacked, and they were conning everybody and admitting it in their emails because it's a social agenda. And also, too, science is one of the biggest cons out there. Science is completely politicized. It always has been. Always has been. When money's involved in anything, and careers too, well-paid careers, uh, then, believe you me, people can lie awfully easily for their big, big cash grants. Because a lot of these climatologists and so on wouldn't get a darn, they wouldn't get a job sweeping the streets beforehand, before all this nonsense started. So they're awfully happy and willing to prattle off about their computer models. Your computer model will say anything depending on what you feed into it. But remember, and I read the articles too, over the years, these computer models that predict all the nonsense of catastrophes of the climate for the future have nothing to do with the sun, apparently. They don't have anything to do with the sun fed into them. All warming, they claim, through the computer, (laughs) is caused by humans. Because you're the enemy, according to Club of Rome. So, but again, facts don't really matter because you already have your armies fixed that are all for it and those that are against it. But, but it's mainly all for it because they've all been brainwashed through school. All the young folk are brainwashed for it. They couldn't really tell you why they're, they, they believe in it all. They get awfully emotional about it because that's how they were trained. But they, they can't hit you with any verifiable facts or anything. And we've constantly seen the lying of the fake figures put out to justify all of this because it's such a big agenda that the multi-billionaires and trillionaires are riding on this whole agenda to get even richer. Incredible, isn't it? And anybody who's really screaming loud has definitely got a lot of bucks involved in it and, and future returns involved in it, which you think should really disqualify them from having any say in it at all. <laughs> but that doesn't matter either, does it? A world government, remember has to bring in austerity. Agenda for the 21st century, the whole century, that's why you call it, don't just say 2030 and so on, it's for the whole century, 100 years. And they have it all laid out, step by step, five-year plans, 10-year plans, 50-year plans, to the 100-year plans of how to get us off the land into the sustainable little dump, falling apart cities as we die off, and giving you brownouts because they're going to have ration your electricity, etc. I read all those articles years ago from the guys who planned it all. And 
that's where they plan to bring you in, a post-consumer society. And when you have no money left to pay for anything, it's all going through taxes to pay for all this stuff, then you, you'll, this, you won't be driving anywhere either. No private vehicles allowed. So in the interim, they're going to give you these electric cars, which are useless. The state even is going to completely um, support, the, the, our tax money's paying for the factories to get set up in Ontario. And then they're going to even pay you to buy the darn things for a little while, because it's not meant to be a permanent thing. It's, it's interim to stop you rebelling when they take your cars off the road. Well, you can still get an electric car, so it's not so bad until your electric car isn't going to get you from A to B. And the maintenance is phenomenal. Try to buy the, all the, the rank of, of uh, iron batteries for those suckers. So it's really on the go for off the road, as Agenda 21 said. No private vehicles allowed. Essential vehicles only. And you wondered how they were going to get it done. Well, it's the carbon nonsense. Carbon and climate nonsense. Quite some, isn't it? But facts don't count when agendas have been set in stone. Now, in March 16, 2017, this article came out on the climate. And it says that a powerful international organization, the Financial Stability Board, I've read about this before, includes a task force that's helping to coordinate numerous attacks on financial investing, insurance and other firms and their clients in the name of preventing dangerous man-made climate change. By locking up centuries of fuel reserves, I refuse to say fossil fuels. They give you the terms to use, and if you start using them, you've been brainwashed. Anyway, the, the FSB's army of agitators hope to benefit immensely at the expense of ordinary people everywhere. The vice chair of the FSB's Climate Disclosure Task Force says the world will have to spend $93 trillion, and that's complete underestimation, over the next 15 years on renewable, sustainable energy and low-carbon infrastructure programs as part of the climate, and they call it crisis here again. There's no crisis. It says the Crisis Inc. plan to decarbonize and deindustrialize the planet. Naturally, most of that money will flow to its crony corporate allies. Their ultimate goal is to enrich and empower themselves. Yes, of course it is. And it's to totally control everybody. That's what it's for. And fundamentally transform the global economy to our detriment, and especially to, to the detriment of the world's poorest families, using our taxpayer, consumer, and investment, retirement, insurance, and pension fund money. The $1.5 trillion climate crisis industry is not about to go quiet into that dark night or to strut but an hour upon the stage to then be heard no more. In these desperate times, it is unleashing even more sound and fury and assaulting new targets in a frantic effort to expand its heavily subsidized global empire. And you better believe it's all true, that. It really is. Look at all the big characters on board are screaming the loudest. They've got massive, and they've got all their, well, not even all their money, they've got so much money, but a good chunk of their money sunk into this whole investment scam that we're going to pay. And this is the Donald Trump administration, Scott Pruitt, EPA, continue to emphasize fossil fuels, job creation and economic growth, and de-emphasize the Obama obsession with climate change. News headlines hail the shale revolution's new world order, a huge oil discovery in Alaska and declining OPEC clout as German industries head to foreign shores and 330,000 Dutch households cannot afford electricity, that's true, (laughs) due to soaring prices. Its chancellery minister announced to thundering applause that Germany would no longer pursue its unilateral climate CO2 reduction, energy efficiency and renewable energy policies. So, facts don't matter, as I say, but you're supposed to go into poverty as to help these folk get even richer at the top with all their supposed clean energy solutions, which you pay for and build and do all their investment on. You pay for it, the whole darn kit and caboodle, folks. Not bad, eh? Not bad uh, for these characters. So, sure, they're on board with it at the top. But you pay, and none of it will really work. They know that, too. There's been so many studies, even on, on how much it costs to even make one little solar panel compared to the output and energy that it can actually give out for, for its lifetime. It's pathetic what it can do compared to the energy it takes to make it. 
And the same with everything else out there. But again, facts don't count. Another one, too, says exposed how world leaders were duped into investing billions of dollars over manipulated global warming data. And it says the Mail and Sunday can reveal a landmark paper exaggerating global warming. It was rushed through in time to influence the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. And America's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, called NOAA, broke its own rules by putting out the fake information. The report claimed that there was a pause in global warming and it never existed, but it was based on misleading, unverified data. And that was in February. It says that uh, it, it reveals astonishing evidence that the organization that is the world's leading source of climate data rushed to publish a landmark paper that exaggerated global warming and was timed to influence the historic Paris Agreement on Climate Change. Everything is politicized now. You can't get any real science on anything because there's so much money riding on it. And all these characters are in cahoots and get their, their, their pockets full. There's incredible bribery going on everywhere. Everywhere. Amazing, isn't it? They put us all into slavery. What, a, what an amazing plan, eh? So a high-level whistleblower has told the newspaper that America's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, called NOAA, breached its own rules on scientific integrity when it published the sensational but flawed report aimed at making the maximum possible impact on world's leaders, including Barack Obama and David Cameron at the UN Climate Conference in Paris in 2015. And it goes on and on and on to explain how it happened. And it was a whistleblower there who came out with it and presented it to the newspapers. Everything, everything out there is a lie as they want to bring you into this very old agenda, into total control. And as I say, a massive communistic system which run your life from birth to death. Uh, it will even decide whether you're going to get born in the first place if they need you or not. Scientific management and the population. Complete. And that's how you're going to be run by a bureaucratic system based on basically a kind of communistic system of socialism. And above that, you'll have uh, the management class that manage all of us, above the, the social workers and social departments and agencies, etc. Above them, you have the big magnets for all the, the different... Because they're still going to have them, all right. They'll still have all their big international corporations, etc. Hmm. Quite good, eh? And then another one here, it says here, it's official Trump will pull us out of the Paris Agreement on Climate. Now, you can all argue about it, but the fact is he was, he was definitely voted in by a good chunk of the population in the States. And he did tell him what, what he would stand up for, some of the things he's backtracked on. But I think, and I think if he'd backtracked on, on this climate nonsense, then he would have lost what backing he's got left, especially when he still has the wars he's promised to, to, to continue across the Middle East, including Iran, unfortunately. He would have definitely lost all, all his home base if he'd caved in on the, this climate agreement. But he says, we will cease honouring all non-binding agreements and we'll stop contributing to the Green Climate Fund. I would call it fraud. <laughs> I, I cannot in good conscience support a deal that harms the, the U.S. The bottom line is that the Paris Accord is very unfair to the U.S. The agreement is less about climate and more about other countries getting a financial advantage over the U.S. Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> The agreement is a massive redistribution of the United States' wealth to other countries. Well, that's true, because that's what the Communist Manifesto is all about. And all the Hollywood characters love that, don't they? They love this communism for you, but not for themselves. They, they call themselves the culture creators in Hollywood, because they help to con you through all the different movies. And you emulate what you see, that's the idea. 14 days of carbon emissions alone would totally wipe out the U.S. contribution to, to reduction by 2030, he says. Compliance with the terms of the Paris Accord could cost America as much as 2.7 million lost jobs by 2025. Every other country is the same. And, and I mean, Canada's already been blasted by the free trade. That did it in, and all the factories moved to China, same as, as the U.S. and elsewhere. And here they want to take what's left out of the country and out of your pocket under this fraud to manage your, your lives and bring in their real, their real new world order. That's what it's about. Anyway, it was like to say here that we need all forms of available American energy or our country would be at grave risk of brownouts and blackouts because that's, and I read the articles years ago on the air, you know, 
from all the different sources in mainstream where they talked about, from the governments, talking about a future of brownouts and blackouts. That would be the price we will have to pay, etc., etc., of being managed in a socialistic fashion. As if withdrawing is in economic interest and won't matter much to the climate. We will be environmentally friendly, but we're not going to put our businesses out of work. We're going to grow rapidly. No responsible leader can put the workers and the people of their country at this debilitating and tremendous disadvantage. The same nations asking us to stay in agreement are the countries that have collectively cost Americans trillions. And he talks about his job as president to do everything within his power to give America a level playing field. Of course, that's what... So they can play ball when they want to play ball with the people who voted them in. And he will need the backing of people because he does have wars, he's going to continue, he's made promises, etc., to different factions. But he goes into talk about uh, how it undermines U.S. competitiveness and jobs and so on, and the different studies that have been done and what the U.S. economy would lose. Uh, it would be $3 trillion over the next several years, I think. By 2040, the economy would lose 6.5 million jobs, 6.5 million industrial jobs, including 3.1 million manufacturing sector jobs. We'll see, we'll see, because it's open-ended. He hasn't torn it up, and, and it's a shame he hasn't torn it up, because I think that's what needs to be done across the board everywhere. I've got a report here to go back to 2001. So this has been ongoing for years and years and years. We had, uh, we had Maurice Strong, remember, at the United Nations, and he was responsible for bringing in the different biodiversity treaties and all these different treaties, etc., etc. And they talked about then, too, about the climate and how they could use different techniques to put the people down, depopulate the planet, too. They want to depopulate the planet, because it's all your fault, you see. They claim that, that it's all your fault that they were warming up, even though we're not warming up. And again, all the reports that come out, the scientists admit that <laughs> we're not warming up. Uh, uh, that's quite something. But back in 2001, George Bush killed the Global Warming Treaty. I put that link up too. I put all these links up so you can read for yourself. I always do that. Just to show you I'm not making it up myself anyway. But then I'll go into the fact that here's the next move of this. It's quite an amazing time to watch the U.S. As I say, the conservative movement or the Republicans as supposed to be are awfully quiet about everything except they don't want to go along with President Trump. And the left wing are refusing to go along with President Trump. It says, left wing is meaningless today, isn't it? Because it's not comprised of workers. The bulk of the people who are up there leading it all, including Hollywood, aren't we? I wouldn't call them actually workers, would you? I mean, they're not people in dungarees with pitchforks and, and, and straw hats on their heads. Hmm? So it's kind of meaningless now. It's like the whole idea, and they talked about how communism at one time was for revolution, and to get the masses to do the, the, the revolution so that the ones who planned it all could rule over them. <laughs> That's what happened in the Bolshe- with the Bolshevik Revolution. Always use the masses and make things worse and worse until the, mas- the masses had to revolt. And the, and the masses would have to have nothing, you see, including food, to get them so desperate they would, they would be led to rebellion. That was a technique. In fact, even the charitable organizations were hammered by the Communist Party because they alleviated poverty and, and, and helped people. And the Communist Party wanted as much misery as possible to get the people to have a revolution. The, the, the Communist Party could use the masses. That's the whole idea. You're always used, as I say. You're always used. I don't care what side you join. You're always getting used if you lose your individuality. And that's what the whole idea is about. But in the U.S. right now, you, you see this mass movement of, of the multi-billionaires and trillionaires and, and actors and all the rest of it digging their heels in and saying, no, you're going to get this carbon taxes where you like it or not. Well, did you vote any of these people in, like Bloomberg, for instance? And all these different mayors' initiative across the U.S. I've read the, these articles over the years, too, how they'd already you know, planned, just like the old communist idea, plan. They still talk about organize, organize, organize. And what they did was bypass any federal governmental implementation of anything and, and start linking up initiatives with greenhouse gases reductions and carbon taxes from Canadian provinces basically mating up with ones in the states, U.S. states, and things like that. 
Oh, the busy, busy beavers, eh? Busy beavers. <laughs> the biggest, the big, massive organization at the top of all of this, eh? Quite something. Anyway, multi-state climate initiatives. I'll put this up too. This is some one I read years ago. And some of them have changed over the years and they've amalgamated with other groups. But that was many states have re- reached across borders to collaborate on efforts to address climate change. Across the U.S. and Canada, multi-state climate initiatives have been designed and implemented to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and spur public and private investment in clean energy. That's all the, the multi-billionaires, you know, tax-funded jobs, basically for themselves, where they can have the taxpayers making all their, their clean energy nonsense and their big windmills so that they can own it. Not bad, we build it and pay for it and they own it. It's, it's a pretty good deal, isn't it? They call it public-private partnerships. They're going to be sustainable infrastructure and so on. But what they're really getting to is sustainable development. You understand, if we're the problem, you've got to depopulate the people. Hmm? You got it? And they talk quite openly at the very top about all of that stuff. You're the problem, so you depopulate. Another one, too, was called Midwest Greenhouse Gas Reduction Accord. It was a commitment by the governor of six Midwestern states and the premier of one Canadian province to reduce greenhouse gas emissions through a regional cap-and-trade program and other complementary policy measures. Now, who, when you elect these people, either as mayors or as premiers of a province, or it could be like the governor of a U.S. state, same thing, did they ever mention this stuff to you when they, when they run? Of course they don't. They, they, you don't know what they're involved in, all these private deals they've made in advance. You won't know either who's, who's funding them behind the scenes either, will you? As it take you, all of you, and use you and lie to you. If they don't come out and get, get clean with all this stuff when you're running for, for, to get elected, then uh, they've lied to you. Of course they have. It's disgusting what they do. But I'm just showing you here how they've already got all these different organizations set up so they can continue regardless of what the federal government says. That's what it's about. And they've made it quite plain in the papers in this last couple of days uh, that these big, you know, association of mayors, etc., they're not going to care what the federal government says. They're going to to make sure all the citizens are going to pay all these taxes. Beautiful, isn't it? Hmm. And then you've got uh, Cities Climate Action Compendium. The Mayor's National Climate Action Agenda. They're all members of a United Nations organization. Did you know that when you voted them in? Huh? Did you? Couldn't know. They'd keep quiet about it too, didn't they? And it says, want to see what programs and policies the MNCAA cities are undertaking and promoting. And it tells you to download the Climate Action Compendium. A detailed inventory of municipal actions on climate change and other sustainability issues. That's how you're going to live or if you're going to live or if they're going to kick you off the land or what. It's all involved. It's, it's all the cities involved in the U.S. to Ann Armour, Michigan, all the way to Washington, D.C., Utah, etc. It's got all the different places involved in it. They tell you what their targets are. 2035, 100% clean renewable energy. Well, a lot of folk are going to have to die in the process uh, to get that, as you well know. I really mean that. Because after all, it's also CO2 emission. We breathe it out, folks. And it's a trace gas. It's a very small trace gas. And plants love it to thrive. That doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. But it tells you what their whole plan is in this particular article here. And also put an alliance of the nation's biggest states could short-circuit Trump's vow to leave the Paris Agreement. With the usual ones, <laughs> California government, Jerry Brown, etc., etc., all ganging up in an alliance to fight all this so that, you, so that you will go into sustainability, all of you, and you'll pay for all too and live in poverty. And the richest folk in the world are going to make sure it happens to you. And that's all I can cram in for tonight, I'm afraid. I didn't realize that the time had flown so much. And it's terrible what's happening in Britain and elsewhere. But that's the future that was planned for them. Again, by those that have their own agendas. You know, the people who own countries. From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. 